everybody. We're back finally for the season finale review of Better Call Saul Season 2. Rick and Sharon, how are you guys doing? We are doing fantastic here on the Lawyer Up podcast. Uh, Sharon, uh, quick thoughts on... Doing great. Excited to be here. I always get something wrong. Oh, not at all. But and you know what we got right? We got a great guest. We've got Mr. Justin Robert Young. Hi, everybody. How are you guys? We're doing fantastic. Now, we have you on here to, to kind of discuss uh, the the series as a whole for, for Lawyer Up. Uh, first off, uh, how... Better Call Saul. See, I got it wrong, too. See, Better Call Saul. The, I keep calling it podcast, Up. too, if you want to uh, talk about that as well. But uh, Better Call Saul as a whole, how did you feel about the entire uh, season two or series as a whole? Uh, well, I mean, it's... It's amazing. It's like my favorite show. It's it's so. Uh, I mean, I, I, there is really, really something special to the idea that, especially in comparing it to Breaking Bad, because you know there is an undeniable element of the joy of of Better Call Saul that, like, you're halfway through an episode and you feel giddy that, like, oh wait, like. Breaking Bad never ended. Like I get all these same feelings, but but in this different, fresh new package, which so rarely, if ever, happens. I mean, like, you know, it's not like even spinoffs. Like Frasier never really felt like Cheers, right? It just felt oh, like a yeah. different show starring Kelsey Grammer. This feels like Breaking Bad, um, but there was a moment during the the waning episodes of of this second season. To where you are so thrilled with the relative restraint of Better Call Saul compared to Breaking Bad in that Breaking Bad took us from a small area but then had to kind of rapidly get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and more dangerous and, and at times uh, almost I mean, some if there is a criticism for that show is that at times it, it got cartoonish on a level that maybe betrayed some of its its premise, right? Mm. Specifically talking about you know like mm. uh, the way that uh, you know a, a Gus Fring was written off the show. You know there are there are moments there that are like, well, this is this is kind of uh, you know we we have to we we poured our characters into such a tight crevice that for them to explode out it has to be something ridiculous. Uh, which was great, and it was it was such a fun part of the show. But in Better Call Saul, you get so much of that tension, and yet the stakes feel just as important. But you're not dealing with, you know, okay, well, four people are at odds, three have to get murdered. You know, they might get murdered, but we don't know. And, and specifically in the Jimmy storyline, you just have so much investment in all these characters that to watch them slowly evolve and have them uh, evolve in different ways than the characters did in, in breaking bad just feels so great. And that's layered on top of the fact that like, you know, the, the, the show has always been so great at just giving these big, long meaty takes to these actors and they just crush it. Like the acting on this show just feels so good and so natural while still remaining cinematic and interesting. Uh, I really just can't say enough about it. Yeah, you know, uh, Justin, one of the things that I thought about the show is I I was getting frustrated with people at the very season premiere of uh, season one. People were not, you know, they they were impatient for it. 
and I was I kept trying to tell my friends and people, hey, give it a shot. I'm a chance. It really is trying to take its time developing these characters. And so because of that reason, I think this will be a better show than Breaking Bad. Uh, some people are already saying that that it is it's a past Breaking Bad. But I think that the attention to detail, like making us really care about Kim when nobody really cared about Skylar, um, those well, are, yeah. things are coming back. And, and, and I'd be very curious to hear Vince Gilligan kind of uh, talking about whether or not they wanted to learn a lesson from how much the audience turned against Skylar when ultimately she was somebody that when you look at the totality of Breaking Bad, you got to wonder like, all right, well, yeah, we only come into this story at a certain point. We don't know. How much of these warning signs she had kind of known about Walt and there's a reason why she is henpecking him so much because, you know, obviously he eventually just sort of broke loose of his of his uh, his, his dominion and, and kind of became this monster. Uh, I, I hate to kind of get into the better or worse argument because I think it's it's so silly ultimately to be like, you know, we don't have to love one or the other. You know, uh, we can love all of them for all different reasons and whether or not it's, it's a, it's a favored show for one person over another is always going to be a point of, of subjective taste. Uh, but I certainly think that for it to be no slouch next to breaking bad for it to not be methadone to breaking bad's heroin is a tremendous achievement in and of itself because breaking bad was such an amazing work of art that, you know, uh, every time that you're watching Better Call Saul and you're not thinking, oh, this is like Breaking Bad, like in, in, a, in a bad way, in a negative comparison, it succeeds, you know, because that's not easy. You can't do that easily. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I, I think I, I probably thought of that about Frasier, but, you know, who knows? Uh, so Rick, did you want to go with your next uh, question? Or? Yeah, the, the one thing I kind of wanted to ask is um, as a – do you think watching this and later down the line when you rewatch Breaking Bad, do you think it'll change uh, some of the characters? Whether it's more sympath, you know, uh, s- sympathy with Mike, or you know, you understand why uh, Jimmy is, you know, being really Saul Goodman-y and things like that. I mean, uh, what's your kind of opinion on? Uh, changing a different series as a whole almost well if there is any major incompatibility it is the fact that Saul Goodman is kind of this almost totally morally vacuous animal for for uh pretty much the totality of Breaking Bad and it is it is very obvious that that they are telling this very different story and and they are kind of using the conceit of uh, specifically as we go back at the beginning of every season to our black and white look at, uh, you know, the the uh, sullen manager of the, uh, what what is a, is it an Auntie Anne's pretzels or what is the, uh, what, what does he work at? Cinnab- oh, yeah. The Cinnabon. The Cinnabon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that you look, that we are supposed to take Saul Goodman as we see him in Breaking Bad as this very specific time in his life and 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 that he that that element is just a extended version of one of his kind of moral lapses or 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 uh, moments of righteousness that we see him flex into right now in in better call Saul, but that is obviously something that doesn't quite connect considering 
just how much of this pulsating, beating human being that, that Jimmy McGill is compared to the lizard that a great, funny, amazing, hilarious, a great television character lizard. But like you never watch Saul Goodman. And you're like, I'll bet you he's a really great guy. You know, he's mixed up with <laughs> some stuff like you never really got that sense on, on on Breaking Bad. And here it's just all you think about because Bob Odenkirk is just such an amazing actor and can bring such humanity. Absolutely. Actually, that's funny. When you mentioned Lizard, I was thinking of the uh, – in Mr. Show, um, there was some article that the first episode of Mr. Show where you feel any empathy towards any of their sketch characters was when Bob Odenkirk dressed up as a gecko. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he did that so well. But, yeah, no, uh, I, I definitely feel more empathy for that gecko than I ever feel for Saul Goodman. Um, and, and, you know, and, and so I, I, I like when Bob Odenkirk responds in the press and says, you know, quit asking when is when are we going to see Saul Goodman? That's not the point. Uh, be in the yeah. story as it is right now because we're doing great things. And I, I absolutely agree. Um, yeah. So so so, uh, Justin, there, there's also a. A, a lot of uh, the, the the what I've been hearing, gathering from people who love the show or watch the show, is that they they either uh, like the Mike story or the Jimmy Kim Chuck story, and and we've decided to break up our show that way. Um, and I think that most people are appeal. What I hear is a lot of people really like the Mike story. Is there one track of this that you like? I know that the because I've listened to the Insider podcast, I know that they've tried to bring those two stories together as much as possible, but they didn't really do that this season. Um, your thoughts on this season in the, as the two stories? or Well, you've kind of got to keep them apart because if you want the show to go several seasons as much as you can rely on the fact of like all right literally if everyone were to raise their hand simultaneously uh, to the question are you involved in the albuquerque area drug trade you know there's probably only what max 150 people 200 people maybe slightly more than that so the likelihood that these people especially on a certain level uh, legally or or in terms of hiring a murderer or somebody to go along and solve a problem, they are going to run into Mike and Jimmy as Jimmy kind of makes his way, you know, further through these specific issues. Uh, but at the same time, you can't just run them into everybody every episode. And if you run Mike into Jimmy every episode or it's always this buddy cop show or this, this buddy solves the mysteries show. Cagney and Lacey. Yeah. Then it's just different. And, uh, you know, to, to which one do I love more? Like, I don't know. I mean, probably the Jimmy stuff just because I'm, I'm, I, I so much love, uh, Bob Odenkirk, but at the same time, you know, the, the Mike storyline is breaking bad, right? Like it's, it's, we get, this great other show that has all the humanity of Breaking Bad, and then we get this other storyline that has all the drugs and the murder and the and the intrigue and the power play and the violence. So it's like, you know, to me, it's it's an almost necessary one-two punch. And considering how much faith I have in the storytellers and how much I'm enjoying the individual stories, you can keep them apart as much as they want. 
Uh, so, Rick, do you have any final questions before we allow, allow him to go free? <laughs> well, the the one thing I kind of wanted to add is that it you perfectly summed it up. It seems like Breaking Bad is a lot in the Mike story, and Mike is still still has that mystique to him uh, like he was in Breaking Bad. I mean, he has a little bit more uh, humility, uh, I guess is the right term. Is that right, Sharon? I mean, uh, as far as like a family and, you know, having his granddaughter and all that stuff, you know. Oh, like down to earth. Yeah, very down to earth. That, that's correct. Uh, and I just – and Justin sums it up completely of you can't have them run run into each other so much. And I think that's what – people wanted because that's we got a lot more Mike and Jimmy stuff in season one while in season two they interacted twice three times three. yeah it's been pretty separate mm -hmm. and uh yeah as far as what what do you kind of look forward to in the seasons to come in uh Better Call Saul well, beyond just kind of the, the escalation of, of what this show is, I think the storytelling has been so fearless up till now that I I'm kind of constantly girding myself for this to be a show that jumps ahead the entire length of Better Call of of Breaking Bad and brings us into the world of the Cinnabon manager. Like I I, I think uh, that feels like a a move they would make. Um, no, that's not to say that – I mean, they, they could perfectly tell a story that just leads us, you know, the the final thing is, uh, you know, and this is what I love the most about um, about, uh, about Breaking Bad, but to introduce the Saul Goodman character, you know, was that when Jesse and Walt first confront him, he believes uh, – Saul believes – that uh, it's somebody else and is relieved to find out that it's only Jesse and Walt threatening to murder him. So it's like that could be our ending to that to that season. Um, but part of me really wants, um, you know, uh, wants wants to see things go forward. And almost that would feel more true to the Jimmy McGill elements of this story where, you know, as we see in the finale of this season, he ultimately does have this heart and, and you, and you have the feeling that as much as he is investing in the people around him, that, that considering the fact that we don't see him and he's going by a different name in, in breaking bad, that he ruins his relationship with everybody that we know almost irreparably, if they're even still alive, you know, if he doesn't get them into even more trouble. So, uh, I, I assuming, that there is carnage to come emotionally, if not physically, I would be curious to see what happens afterward. If we see him dealing with the, the ramifications of it after, you know, as, as this man who's in hiding, you know, even if it means, cause it, like Saul Goodman feels like somebody that would just be able to be at that Cinnabon forever and, mm -hmm. and, you know, would just live his life and be happy that he wasn't in jail. Uh, Jimmy McGill feels like somebody that ultimately, despite his cowardice, would almost feel better as feel better being in jail than he would running the Cinnabon. 
and and that's the difference between the two characters on the two shows. And I'm curious to see whether or not we see that explored going forward. But between that, you know, uh, aside from that, you know, now uh, I'm I'm really pumped to see how they work in some of these Breaking Bad characters. I think in the first two seasons it would have felt like just a cheap pop, but now, yeah, Gus Fring and and mm-hmm. and Jesse and uh, and 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 even you know if if they can. Figure out a way that somebody deals with Walt, you know, because it would be weird if Mike and Mike or, or Jimmy dealt with them. Then, yeah, man, I would be so, seeing any all of it. Would you have been for Marie popping up in this episode? As because uh, there was discussions of uh, a character popping up, and she's an X-ray technician, and the the whole pitch was Marie was supposed to come in. And do a little scene of like, hey, she's an x-ray technician. Would you have been yeah. a fan of that for this episode? Or do you think that would have been cheap pop territory? I didn't feel that this um, – that, that you know, this was – that it wasn't necessary or that it was necessary. I mean I think if they had a good idea for it, I'd be fine, you know. And and again, listen, man, whatever they wanted to do, like if they thought that they had a great idea and it should be and it should be in there, then I'm for it being in there. Like that creative team is beyond reproach for me. There is literally no business I want to have in second guessing whether or not Vince Gilligan or Peter Gould, uh, you know, like what they want to do within that universe because. They get it on a level that I don't think anybody else does. And you know, we could we could just honor Marie by having Justin turn his lights to purple and honor yes. That's good. Yeah, hold on, wait a minute. Let's go get the Marie lights on. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Now we've got Marie in the house. <laughs> uh yeah, so um so are you so you're definitely happy? Okay, no, actually my question would be or to bounce back to you is I think that they absolutely have to be very careful if they bring uh, Aaron Paul or Brian Cranston in at all. It can't, you know, and I, they, they know this and I know, you know, listening to their insider podcast each week, they talk about that. It's got to be very natural. I, I can't, you know, in my mind, I don't see that the story is in, in any kind of place where they could bring in Aaron Paul for just an episode. I mean, there was a little bit of a teaser in the last couple of weeks of Bob and Dean Norris tweeting back to each other a photo of, Bob, of Dean Norris as Hank. On the set, right? On the set. Yeah, on the and set. we didn't see it. Uh, and, I, of course, I flipped out. I thought, oh, my God, we're going to get Hank, you know, because Hank just seems like the perfect person to bring back in the story. But, uh, you know, they, well, they still the have to be nat- very careful. Right. He, he, would, he would certainly be the most natural there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the very next episode, I think that was uh, – uh, it was a Fifi, I believe, in the very beginning. We had that long, cold open of, uh, you know, the the guard, uh, the, the border patrol type thing. Yep. And and I thought, okay, any moment uh, Hank's going to get out of the car, he's going to be there, the DEA is going to be there. But I think probably at this point he's probably just a, kind of an Albuquerque cop. I, I, I don't really know the storyline. Yeah, you know, uh, and it, it's been interesting to see, especially watching this and uh, the OJ show side by side uh, <laughs> that you realize how little a better call Saul does to differentiate its world time wise, mm-hmm. you know, that it's, it's supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be a, a different 
era, but it's not like they're like going out of their way to be like, hey, look, this is a not the current show. This is an uh, 80 cell phone. Don't you yeah. see? That? Yeah, I got you. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's um, I, I, I think Mike would be an easy person to work in there. But again, it's it's like. Uh, I'd be curious to see them work any and everybody into there, you know, like, uh, and, and specifically, you know, if, if this, uh, this episode title teasing that they're doing, uh, you know, is, is to indicate that next season will be fring heavy, mm-hmm. um, then yeah, getting more into how Gus Fring became uh hooked up with everybody that he became hooked up with uh, you know the, the the global conglomeration like those are all elements that were touched on in breaking bad but at that point again the momentum on that show was going so fast that it's like okay well we can't just have walt become the drug kingpin in episode three mm-hmm. or sorry in, in season three so this has to go bigger. This has to go deeper. This has to go wider. And it literally, you know, is it, like, you know, people are killing themselves in Germany because of what's happening in Albuquerque. And, and like, it, it's, we don't really get a ton of that. We don't get a ton of why and how. We just assume, well, you know, Frank seems like a capable guy. And, you know, that's, uh, that's why that's happening. I would love to get more of that. Well, Justin, I I made you a promise and I've broken it. Um, so I, oh no no no! Hey, listen, I watched both those episodes so I could talk to you guys. Oh, so. Okay, I mean, and, and again, you're you're more than welcome to stick around if you want to talk more. Let me let let, let me stick around for a little bit and then uh, and then and then I'll, I, I I might tap out about halfway through, but we okay, can talk. Well, very yep. quickly, uh, this is about the point where we would do our ads, and instead, our ad is the Contender Game. Uh, huh? Yeah. Uh, If you have not bought this game, uh, please do so. And particularly those of you who are Diamond Club uh, watchers, uh, viewers, uh, myself and someone from uh, a great person from Diamond Club, uh, Hot Beverages and I, we're going to start playing these games live on Diamond Club TV. And we encourage you to reach out to us. Tell us when is the best time for you to play this game if we're going to play the game. Uh, Other than everybody going to Facebook and liking the freaking game. <laughs> Justin Robert Young, do you have anything you want to say in particular about uh, the Contender game? Well, you know, if, if, if you are listening to this show and you don't know who I am and therefore you haven't heard me talk your ear off about the game, then I'll do a real quick uh, plug for it. It is a party game. Uh, we've designed it to be a quick play uh, experience wherein you can uh, sit around with a couple of friends and have a good time. It's designed as a presidential debate, but you don't got to know anything about politics. Uh, I, I guarantee you just sit around and, and, and give it a whirl and you're going to have a really, really good time. It's not just me saying that. You know, the, the reviews on Amazon have been overwhelming and amazing and sustained. So uh, I think without a doubt, it's a game that a lot of people have a good time with. If, uh, if, if you enjoy sitting around and laughing with your friends, you will enjoy The Contender uh, available at thecontender.us. And if you already have the game, go ahead and pre-order the 2016 expansion. It is 100 brand new cards, uh, and uh, they are all based on the 2016 election. We are very excited about it, and uh, hopefully it should be in your hands within the next uh, month and a half. Awesome. Uh, so thank you. Yeah. Oh, you've got, Look at that. Way over there. got it. Way over there. I was going to say one quick question, Justin. This is... 
with the exception of one of the expansion packs, this is an, a family game, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it is, uh, you know, we have a politically incorrect expansion, which uh, obviously includes cuss and words. But other than that, uh, you know, we've had it played in classrooms. Uh, AP government teachers have played the game with their kids in classrooms and, uh, and, and enjoyed it. So we enjoy that, the fact that they did that. Yeah, well, well, I know a lot of us have enjoyed it. I've played it with other people outside the Diamond Club who had no idea about it, but absolutely love it as well. Um, so, yeah, what is it? Contender, uh, contender. Thecontender.us is where you can get it. Uh, you follow us on Twitter at Contender Game or like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thecontendergame. Awesome, awesome. So, Justin, uh uh, did, any other? What, what did you think of the season finale? Did it did it end? Because uh, because right before we recorded or we recorded last week's, I was thinking, you know, the season really didn't move as fast as I expected. Although it moved, I I there's nothing that I dislike about this show. Um, yeah. But but did, did it did it end the way you wanted it to end? Or because I have a little bit of insight about the note on Mike's um, car, by the way. Well, you know, it, it didn't. It certainly didn't end with any kind of violent change. You know, it felt a little bit more like a big mid-season cliffhanger than it necessarily did a season-ending cliffhanger. Uh, but for a show whose stock and trade is suspense, I don't know how terrible that is, and I feel like that almost is you know the the pressure to have every season end with this like shocking reshuffling of the deck and 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 a and a major power play has occurred is something that might have hamstrung breaking bad uh you know it might be the reason why uh you know by by the end of it we're 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 spending two seasons now fighting a biker gang as opposed to the mexican cartel because you just ran out of bad guys and you just needed to mint more bad guys so I, I didn't mind it. I, I think it is a slower pace show. It is a show that has lower stakes and, and ultimately where it ended on the emotional beat of Chuck, you know, uh, using Jimmy's big heart to his disadvantage was, uh, was great. It was this kind of gut punch of understanding who these characters are. And, uh, when, when everybody kind of shows their nuts a little bit and that was, uh, that was fine for me. You know, uh, I, I, I'm so in the tank for this show that it's hard for me to muster up any kind of criticism, but uh, I can understand where somebody would say, hey, look, the point is that this is this Breaking Bad type of story, and Breaking Bad types of stories move faster than this season moved. Eh, that's fine. I, I, I certainly get that criticism. Now, the I guess maybe because last week while we were having our discussion, uh, I kind of overhyped uh, the group, including our guest Stacy, on uh, the possibility of Chuck dying. Now, do you is do you think that me would have been a better route to go in as far as the the character of of Jimmy and how he handles it, or even Chuck in a vegetative state? No. I mean, I think for me, Chuck's your big bad. Chuck's your Gus Fring. You know, if he's going to go out, he's got to go out big. You know, there's got to be there's got to be a big thing. I mean, for me to use a a a, a, a wrestling analogy, I don't know if you're into wrestling, Rick, but, uh, you know, once you've poured so much heat into this character, 
to not blow him off in big spectacular fashion uh, uh, would be would be uh, you know not a great thing. And and you know our waste a waste. Well, I mean, then there's Michael McKean, and he brings so much. He's obviously Jimmy's kryptonite, you know. And and also, it, it, it's to me, it is the great duality of the show, where I hate Chuck, and I love Jimmy, but Chuck is a hundred percent right about everything that Jimmy does, and he is right that uh, that Kim should distance herself from him, and she, and he is right that he is a felon and, and, and right. I mean, the, the, the question then is how much of this did he create by, by denying him opportunities to go straight and more bring him in as opposed to keep him out. Right. But at the end of the day, I, I kind of love hate both those characters and I just love hate. I I love Jimmy 60% and I hate him 40% and I hate Chuck 60% and I love him 40%. Uh, you know, and, and, and that's that's great. And to lose that duality would be to lose a major part of the show. And I feel like Jimmy's kind of got to be moved on to something else by the time that that happens. Or we need to be set up for him to move on to something else. Like Chuck dying needs, needs to propel, if they are to kill Chuck, him dying needs to propel him into this other thing. Which, I mean, I guess we would assume uh, an out-and-out life of crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who knows? Who knows what it is? Well, well you know, I, in, in, in Breaking Bad, uh, again, for those of you who are listeners, uh, just at this point forward, everything's going to be Breaking Bad uh, related. So if you haven't watched it, uh, but in Breaking Bad, we know that there's no Kim around. Uh, we know that his brother or we or do we know uh, whether Mike uh, Chuck is part of his life. And if not, also there's this thing with Chuck. We were t- finally introduced to his wife, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. How did she go disappear? And, 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 and then we also have this unresolved uh, issue around Chuck that does, is, is this in his head? Is the electric magnetic uh, of whatever condition that he has, uh, is it real or is it in his head? And Sharon, uh, I know you had something in the doc about that. Did you want to, to pipe in about that or? Oh. <laughs> or did I think you had the wrong point? And I'm no, 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 no. It's just getting to be too much. I felt like it was, it was really overwhelming in this, all that electromagnetic stuff. I don't know. So much of that, I, I completely agree with you that like so much of that is done by the cinematography and the sound design, where you know you just have, especially in in the in the penultimate episode where. Uh, Chuck is freaking out to the point where he bangs his head at the, at, at the point that they give you this almost uh, trauma horror sped up uh, watermelon splat yeah. you know, moment with, with him hitting his head. You know, you've already been suckered so much into the stylistic sound design and cinematography that it seems that much more weird and brutal and, and almost like faces of death, right? Uh, yeah. you, that you buy into Jimmy's need to rush in there. So I think, yeah, I mean, it'll be curious to see where they go with this. Because I, I, I do agree with you uh, that we might be at, the, at, at peak hysteria for him. Like either we'll have to stay away from him or, or he'll have to evolve out of it. Because I don't know how much more, how many more times we can just have like, oh, he doesn't want to go somewhere. He doesn't want to do something like 
he's going to faint because he's, he's really going out of his way. Cause he, I mean, I understand it as a, a very measurable yardstick for how much he hates Jimmy it is, is equal to how much he will leave to incriminate him or, or to make his life worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel like we might be like, all right, we've seen him try to prove that his brother is a felon. And, and and try to prove what is a fairly wacky, although true, conspiracy theory that uh, that he framed him as opposed to him making a mistake. So, so where so where does Chuck go from from here as far as the uh, the tape uh, being recorded of him admitting to to doing all this, you know, doctoring of evidence? Well, I mean, I think. That's a very soap opera y kind of question, right? So it's like there are, it really depends on where they want to take it. And it depends on, I think, leaving this as a cliffhanger means that they're going to want to start season three in a very propulsive manner. You know, it, it would not shock me if we start season three seconds after season two ends and we see immediately where Chuck wants to go with that uh with with that tape and part of me uh you know they could they could diffuse it by having him go to jimmy and jimmy to say yeah you want to know what i'll change my name and i'll do other stuff and i'll you know uh i'll uh i'll 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 abandon kim like you know and and backing down or it could be him going to the police and now this turns into a chuck versus jimmy legal battle and 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 we see we see that i think Anything there is possible, and I would like to see any and all of it. So if I could make a polite request to Vince Gilligan and, and Peter Gould, I would like for them to shoot all scenarios so I can watch them at my leisure and then let them know which one I like the best. <laughs> right on, right on. Uh, also, I think with Mike, um, you know, I, I, there, there's a – and I, I saw Sharon, you had something in the doc about the note uh, – I, I, I think that that's kind of been resolved through the Talking Saul episode um and and particularly the insider podcast that there and the reddit uh, there there was an issue with the actor who plays gus frame and uh there was something about a contract that they didn't work out quite on time and so i don't know but i think they did it they, they played it cleverly that uh gus would have left that note and so I assume that what, what we will see for Mike next time around is uh, that he starts working for Gus because if you watch Breaking Bad, you are you know that he definitely has a theme for Hector Salamanca. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of see maybe this is the point where Mike starts working with um, Gus. What do you guys think? That would make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, and maybe this works into to my theory of. Well, sure. Why don't you go first? As far as oh, okay. Well, uh, I'll just get to it. I don't think uh, Mike went to to the to the hit point to kill anyone. And this is this is maybe um, knowing uh, guns and uh, how to set targets on your sights and things like that. He. Would, so let's set it up right now. He goes to buy the gun from the dealer, and he misses by three clicks. And he missed by three clicks. He, you know, hit. He he readjusted and he hits right on the mark. Three clicks. Um, he goes to the hit point, 
and he's about to shoot, you know, he's about to shoot, but he adjusts his gun again three clicks, which to me says that he's purposely trying to miss, whether it's to scare him or or do something like that. Uh, I don't know. It could be a continuity error. That's not necessarily, you know, out of the question, but I, I personally believe in the knowing weapons and knowing how to sight uh, guns and things like that, that he purposely was going there to miss. Mm. Uh, I, I, I would, I, I would, I would disagree with you. I mean, based on my interpretation of, of how I saw it, that uh, it, it felt to me like this was about him killing uh, Hector, but uh, that's that's just what it, it it felt like, you know, to me. And, and maybe I'm overanalyzing that that he really was going, and maybe there was wind where he was like, oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm super, uh, super weatherman, and I I tested the wind, and I it's gonna be adjusted three clicks. Uh, so to me, yeah. after rewatching, it seemed like the way. He was shot because he also he adjusted twice and then he paused and then he adjusted a third time. So again, it could be a continuity error. It could be just me overthinking things, but I don't think he went there to to go to kill anyone. And this is even before Nacho. Well, then why not take the shot if his point is to miss? To scare him. And this no, is no, 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 no. But then why not shoot? Why does he not shoot? And that's the, and that's the other thing too. Is like I'm not I'm not sure. But, uh, well, I, Nacho was in the way. But he but also did that before. Miss. I mean, he, he he could be in the way. Rick and Sharon, my apologies to you. No my worries. Internet took a complete dump. And we lost the best show you've ever done. <laughs> no, no, it, I, we didn't it, lose it. It's still it, there. Yeah, it's still yeah. there, and it's still still cranking out. And but that's and, why it's an awkward little transition. But um, we, we're going to wrap this up for you guys. So yeah. the one thing we kind of we want to hit on two major points before we kind of close out our episode. Uh, the one thing we want to talk about is the reveal of why uh, Chuck almost despises uh, Jimmy and uh, it was because they lost their mother and uh, the one person that the mom wanted to talk to was uh, Jimmy uh, by screaming his name. Uh, well, not screaming, you know, calling out his name. Yeah. Dying and, words. Mm-hmm, or dying words were Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. And Jimmy was uh, out Getting food for himself. A and- roast beef with Italian on the side. Roast yeah. Beef. yeah. So it seems like Chuck really wanted to hold that against Jimmy, but he never shared that with Jimmy. He never opened up to him. He never let Jimmy, you know, defend himself or give, you know, potential options. I just imagine Jimmy would have made him feel better and said, you know, ah, oh, she was probably imagining she was taking care of me as a child and calling out to me or something, you know, blown it off. And, but it seems like Chuck is just going to hold on to this and be jealous and angry. I don't know. 
Yeah, it was definitely a jealous, uh, like a jealous, like brother move of like, oh, it's clear that Jimmy is the favorite and not me, uh, even though I'm more accomplished and and all that stuff. So, I'm just trying to say, I don't think it means that. It doesn't necessarily mean that Jimmy's the favorite. What do you guys think? Well, well, okay. So uh, there's a, you know behind the scenes on the AMC website where you can watch like behind episode ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a little three minute video, and Michael McKeon says uh, that. I and I, but but we have no way of knowing this unless in, until you hear Michael McKeon say that um, Jimmy makes his mother laugh. Chuck does not, and that that that's like a theme with Rebecca, his what or yes. wife. Mm-hmm. So he, he's he's really fed up with Jimmy being this charismatic person that wins everything and everything just comes his way, you know. Obviously Chuck struggled probably through an Ivy League uh, um, law firm or, 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 or law school to get his degree, and Jimmy just goes and gets his like uh, almost via the telephone, uh, mm-hmm. you know type of uh, degree from uh, America Samoa, which, by the way, is a great place, and I, I, I think their law school is probably pretty d- decent, but, but he did it remote, and so he didn't have to spend the hours in the library with the legal mind of the law. I'm sorry, now I'm doing Mr. Show. thing <laughs> where Michael McKeon is in Mr. Show. Um, uh, but, yeah, so so I think, I think yeah, he definitely... Uh, you know, the, the, I think the jealousy stems all the way back to mother. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think so. I just wasn't sure if that was legitimate or if that was basically another situation where Chuck made a decision that was the wrong decision to make and continues to blame Jimmy for something that I feel like Jimmy never understands or truly knows where this resentment comes from i don't know it's like almost fighting an unfair fight because you don't know what the other person's problem is i hate that kind of stuff um yeah uh but 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 such an amazing uh stuff uh being shot there like in the hospital or the jimmy end of the story with um with uh, chuck with that gurney um that with that shot that's just right on him and i mean i i actually decided i was going to live stream my reactions to the finale and then at the last minute i was like no don't live stream it just yeah we record it if something crazy happens and then you freak out then you know but but there really wasn't that much that was like yeah uh but i did i did i totally broke down and cried watching chuck on that gurney uh and uh not not you know bawling but um Hmm. definitely tears because like to be in that situation where you're trapped and nobody's listening to you um and everybody says they hate chuck but i I feel like a lot of empathy for chuck for some strange reason i I don't know uh you you got what do you what do you guys well i I think maybe empathy it it's because you I think a lot of it had to do with that scene of, you know, like, oh, yeah, the mom called out to Jimmy and Jimmy wasn't there. And uh, and I, I don't know, maybe that's probably what uh, might drum up some empathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it could be that he literally uh, was made a fool of last week. Uh, he literally said it was the worst uh, time in his professional career mm-hmm. and he was made a fool of and... In 
he's got the electromagnetic sensitivity stuff going down, and that is obviously not a fun thing to go through, whether it's real or not. That's a different conversation. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think he has a lot of these things of, man, it really sucks to be him, and I really feel bad for him. But then his attitude uh, – towards Jimmy and towards other people like Kim that, you know, obviously still have a chord with, you know, with being with Jimmy or, you know, being their confidant with Jimmy. uh, Yeah. And that's probably what a lot of people hate about him. Yeah. Is the attitude that that he brings the smart, the, the I'm better than you aspect of things, even though I'm, a guy in a fucking space blanket, you know? Yeah. And it's not just me who gets annoyed by that because Ernesto felt the same way. <laughs> yeah. Or, or- oh yes. Ernesto or Ernie, depending on whose side you're on. <laughs> yeah. I, I keep calling him Ernesto cause I feel like it's more legitimate to, to you know, but, uh, but yeah, did you love that when uh, Ernesto uh, kind of tells uh, Jimmy, look, your brother has been so down on you. He's he's like after you, and and you're my friend. And and then he walks away. He's like, I miss the mail room. Yes, yeah. and we laughed. It was so good. That was like a golden, totally golden moment of the end. I was shocked when he defended him, er, when Ernie defended Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, because I I saw some of the sneak peeks for the episode, and they show Ernesto in the hospital with Jimmy there. And like I, I, so I knew that in some way he knows, you know, because I, I knew that that Jimmy would not would either go run to a payphone, dial nine one one, or he would just run in there. And I'm so glad that Jimmy just ran in there and was like, screw all of this, like you know, I'm gonna help my brother. Um, and so, so he, he's still Jimmy McGill. He's not the, you know, a cold-hearted. Uh, 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 Goodman, um, but uh, but but yeah yeah I, I just and 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 I've seen a lot of things on like Reddit and other places where people have been saying and I think Tensor guy uh, who is, was in chat earlier said um, you know I when I I'm all down for the Ernie spinoff <laughs> like yeah I think people really like that character um, yeah I I really I really believe they're gonna keep Ernie in the fold uh, as far as. Maybe he is the secretary that uh, Jimmy and Kim are looking for because uh, obviously there was no wow. secretary to get donuts and coffee for the uh, young, the young uh, old men and women of our country after seeing uh, Jimmy's commercial that debuted finally. I love that. And I'm sorry. I know I have to talk to Mr. Show all the time, but there's a <laughs> Mr. Show sketch where uh, it, it, it's about old people. And it's, um, they sing a song, going on a holiday. And then all these people just like walk down the street. And if it's basically if old people ran the world, there would be hard candy on every corner, street corner. So you go to like, you know, instead of pressing the button to do a crosswalk, they'd be a little dish of hard candy. And then like, that's, that's what Jimmy had for his, his people, his, uh, clients in the waiting room they were picking up pieces of hard candy and i was just like oh god this this has to be a thing the guy moving so slow yeah what did he say about the eyes gotta protect the old uh the uh peepers peepers yep they gotta protect the old peepers (laughs) um the one thing we want to point out of the commercial that we saw is i mean it was beautiful beautiful it wasn't uh 
they literally showed it on on a TV. They didn't, you know, go wide on it, if I remember right. Yeah. Like uh, filling up the, you know, your television screen, shit it like that. like we were watching it in the hospital. Yeah, it looked like, we, yeah, we were watching it at the hospital. And then uh, it's wonderful. You, you know, we get all of the old comedic, you know, characters from the past two seasons, or, you know, or I should say this season specifically. The old lady from the... Uh, Sandpiper commercial, mm-hmm. uh, the old uh, vet, and uh, I think there was another one. Fudge. Fudge. Well, right, of yeah, course. So that, that was his name, Fudge, exactly. yeah. Uh, I, I believe there was a third one, yeah. but I don't remember. I don't, yeah, there was another one that I don't remember them actually shooting, but, but you know, of course they, they've got the, the, the American flag, and there's mm. this great shot of Kimmy. Like, with such delight on her face, looking up at this little square TV. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, like she, it's, it's like if she was looking up at the American flag with this, like, pride. Um, mm. she's, she's, she's really fallen for Jimmy. Yeah, and, yeah. and in, in fallen for Jimmy was really impressed with the commercial. And the first thing, well, the first thing Jimmy does is uh, shut his phone off because it's not the time to take these... Uh, um, uh, things, you know, business because his brother is, you know, dealing with all this stuff. Um, the one thing that I specifically wanted to mention is yeah, the first Rick was really excited when the, the commercial ended, the commercial <laughs> ended. And the first thing you see is weasel, uh, yeah. uh, the garden weasel. Did you notice that? I I I I, I remember seeing something. I was like, oh, that must have been placed for a reason. And I, I didn't go back. Oh. Mm-hmm. No, but wait. Well, what, explain, Rick. Well, I mean, just it's almost a a thing of just like, yeah, this is what Jimmy's going to become a, a you know a lawyer that's just a weasel. And oh, it yeah. was like a stark contrast because you know how during the commercial it was like, I forget the exact words, but a man, a lawyer you can trust, and a yeah. man you can depend on, and all this. And then right as um, Kim is praising it, it shows up there, this garden weasel, like those things that tills the garden. And mm-hmm. it even says it in letters. It was it was just like a, this is, it seems like almost like this is who he really is. I didn't know if it was about becoming. I, yeah, I think I think it really is. It's, it's probably a combo of both of what he is or what he will be become, you know, down the line. It's just a, a weasel that, you know, Tries to get past everyone, uh, whether it's I, I don't know how weasels work, but you know it's like yeah, that. That's what to me. That's what it seemed like. Uh, he was. That was that's, that's amazing. I, I definitely wish. I, yeah, no, that's 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 a great catch. Um, uh, because that's the first thing I said. I was like, oh, what do you know? Like they, the first commercial afterwards is a. I mean, literally said, you know, Jimmy McGill, call this number in letters. And then it's like the next letters you see are weasel. That's amazing. Uh, and that's why I love this show is that, like, you know, you're not wasting your time by looking at everything carefully and just, you know, uh, it's just the great. It's the greatest. It's the greatest. Yep. Um, and any other sometimes you overanalyze and uh not in this show yeah and it's for nothing so 
Who, who knows? I, I messed up last week, and I probably messed up this week as far as the, the, the gun, gun clicks. <laughs> no, no, no I, I, I thought that was great. And actually, uh, this kind of a side note, uh, if, you had, if you watched The Walking Dead, the second to the last episode, there's a reference to clicks. And um, it, it has to do with a, a, a basically a military, um, they explain it in Talking Dead, uh, it, like a, a click, a, a click is also a military term mm-hmm. um, for distance. Yep. So like, there's some, these guys in the trucks, like, oh yeah, that place, that's twelve clicks back. Yep. Twelve and, clicks, twelve meters, or twelve. Well, meters, well you I, would know, Rick, right? Yep. I mean, so, uh, things like that. Uh, it's military term lingo. Uh, some people use it, some people don't. I mean, yeah, I've heard it in shows. Mm-hmm, and yeah, so yeah. Who knows? And I guess the one thing that we alluded to and didn't get at uh, when we had Justin on was that um, all of the there was a code behind the names of uh, each episode, and if you take the first letter of each episode and put them mix them around, you get uh, um, Fring back or yeah <laughs> Fring back, and so Fring is back, and uh, you know uh, there, so so there's this 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 idea that that uh, that. Um, that that was that was Fring that left the note for you know we were talking about that as we we disconnected with uh, Justin earlier but um, Stacy and Chat who was our our guest last week you know she said well wouldn't wouldn't Fring want Hector dead and I I was about to follow up with that because it was a good point and I think that he would not because as we see in um, Better Call uh, Breaking Bad we see Fring kind of using the Salamanca. Uh, uh, as a shield, almost right. Mm-hmm. So, so I think I think that that's when he starts to reach out to Mike and get Mike to work with him because he sees how uh, meticulous and and, and uh, careful Mike is. Well, and the other thing to mention is that this isn't the first time Breaking Bad has done codes with their right. episode titles. I mean, they did this in season two mm-hmm. when. You put together, uh, I believe, five different episodes, and it literally tells you what's going to happen at the end. Uh, the the forty seven uh, is down over ABQ. Oh wow! Uh, so if and coincidentally, that happened in the second season, and we are in the second season of uh, Better Call Saul. So it's uh, interesting. Uh, maybe the patterns will continue and. Who knows? Uh, but also, the next, thing, so the next thing would be like the cold opens, sort of. Mm-hmm. You know, because we have the cold opens of that plane crash for an entire season. That you know. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know. and to be fair, season two is also the only season that they literally plotted out uh, from beginning to end uh, of what was going to happen, mm-hmm. as far as writing and stuff like that. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, uh, kind of final thoughts on on the season as a whole or, or episode in general, Jackie. What do you What do you think? I'm 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 I mean I you know I do I do a couple other fan casts and stuff and and I'm I'm kind of just kind of looking forward to just getting back to puppets and stuff. But I'm gonna miss it. Damn it! It, it just it it came too quickly. I really wish there had been 13 episodes. Um, yes, I don't think that they got their just due, but uh, yeah, you guys, Sharon, uh, and what, what are your thoughts but, on this? But I, I, before we move on to our thoughts, do you believe that it's better to have quality over quantity? 
instead of burning them. Yeah, but you know 13 episodes would have been of high quality. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, there are, I mean, there are episodes in Breaking Bad where it's like, well, you know, did we really need that one? Uh, And there's a reason why they, they, instead of going two seasons of, you know, 13, those last two for like an extended season, they went eight and eight. So you're saying you think 10 is perfect? I think 10 is the, the perfect amount uh, as far as. When it comes to episode, I, and you know, I know, no, I'm you know, I'm getting the booze and things like that. But, I mean, look, look at the great shows. You know, in the past, you have, um, The Wire. They, I don't think they've ever went thirteen, thirteen in a season. Uh, you have Game of Thrones. They go ten a season. Uh, so it's, uh, if you look at the the pra- the past shows that. As far as episodes, orders, and scripts are concerned, uh, less is more, almost. I mean, Lost is another great example of, hey, you know, we have 16 instead of 22 because we don't want the the bloatedness. And uh, I think 10 is the perfect amount. Now, if we're getting lower, then maybe uh, uh, no, no we'll have to talk. But uh, I think 10 is the, the, the – I'm going to borrow one from Louis C.K., the – asshole explosion uh, uh, amount of of episodes. Yeah, I was actually depressed that there were more episodes of um, of uh, Horace and Pete, uh, which I loved. I don't know if, uh, how many people caught that. Uh, uh, eventually, it will happen that I will catch it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sharon, final thoughts on, on the season or the episode as a whole? Mm. Uh, yeah, I liked it. I wish it could have gone on longer, of course. And uh, final thoughts, I just... I don't know. I I'm frustrated with Chuck, really disappointed and I continue to have the same feelings about Jimmy and Kim like when's the other shoe going to drop kind of feeling. So, I look forward to getting some of those things resolved, I hope. Hmm. I don't know. I think this is a fantastic uh sophomore season. Uh I I mean, you really can't argue with any, they could have gone so many different ways, but every way that they went uh, seemed like the right move. I mean, yes, I'm very upset that I completely uh, thought that Chuck was going to pass. Uh, to, but uh, when you talk talk out loud about it, and compared to the other direction that they went, it's it's great that we're having this. Uh, we're going to have this huge boss battle uh next season as far as chuck versus uh uh jimmy and and that's the one thing i think we we might have had a complaint on that there was no big bad and in, in better call saul hmm. i mean just like just like the cases i mean there's there was there's always a major case but then it's like oh well it's solved even though it's still going on you know things like that i guess maybe maybe that's what i want more is yeah. well, I mean, there's Hector, which we know is a menace and uh, is there to get in the way of our 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 guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree with what Justin said that Chuck is kind of like the big bad mm-hmm. in yeah, some and- ways. I mean, I sure am gung ho on hating him. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I don't know. It's I think what I want to see more next year is uh. I can't believe I'm saying next year uh, for this show. Uh, 
the the one thing I do want to see is maybe some more courtroom stuff, and I think this is the perfect time to have uh, Chuck versus uh, Jimmy court no. courtroom battles. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, the only person we saw in court was Kim. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was a quick little blurb, and uh, we've seen Chuck in court uh, with uh, Hamlin. You know what? I want to see more Hamlin. <laughs> uh, the Old Professor Lasky. I want to see him uh, <laughs> uh, do some more stuff, whether it's interacting with Kim or trying to get Kim back or, you know, become more of a human. Because I feel like there's so much more to explore with him. Hmm. And maybe, maybe I'm just, again, I just feel like I want I want everybody to be integrated. Uh, and I understand people's frustrations on not having Mike and Jimmy interact with each other. So why not include, you know, more of Hamlin, you know, interacting with the cast? Yeah. I feel like that's a perfect... Uh, he, he's like the one big character that we have not gotten any kind of backstory, um, other than Ernie. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, honestly, I don't think Ernie is on the level of, of Hamlin. But he's yeah. the one guy we don't, we, don't, we don't get. We don't know why he was so hard on Kim. Uh, we know that his father was put him into the position he's in, and, and 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 he wanted he had different dreams of doing things on his own, and you know, so so there there's stuff there, but we don't really know what makes that man. Um, I don't know whatever he is. Yeah, need more history from him for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's I guess that's the one thing I want to dive into next season is. More Professor Lasky Hamlin. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I feel about this, this thing. Like, I think it just disturbs me so much that Chuck and Jimmy don't get along uh, that I kind of do want that over. Um, but I know it's going to be such an important story to have um, throughout. Uh, right. But yeah. Now, when you say over, do you want... Jimmy and and Chuck's super lawyers again, like in, in the beginning of the series, where they reviewed the uh, Sandpiper case before it, you know. Yeah, came. yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly what. Um, or just maybe a period of time where they both are getting along, working together. Yeah, I did enjoy that. You're right. I, I absolutely enjoyed when, when Jimmy got Chuck all excited again about. Um, looking through those files and finding things, like mm-hmm. I. Uh, but it, it, I, I know it can happen, and I know he's going to be, you know, uh, Jimmy's uh, kryptonite. I think, as Justin said. Or, uh, but um, yeah. Anyways, um, oh, one little side note that I want to point out, and I don't know why, because nobody's going to care. Uh, but there was a band member, the second guitarist of Duran Duran, apparently at one point had a mental breakdown, and he. Uh, covered his entire apartment in aluminum foil and so that was like the first thing i thought of when we went into uh chuck's cocoon but 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 i i I did have that question for you and we don't have to go too far into it but it seemed to me that like it was all a facade it was all like chuck doing that purposely to get jimmy to sit down and say you know i did it uh to get him on that because you know he you know he obviously planned the tape after he Jimmy couldn't get into the door, but uh, but what do you think? Like, it seems like this this illness is really just kind of always convenient for Chuck. I I, I wish I had Sharon's reactions uh, when when uh, <laughs> we were watching the episode together. Uh, Sharon, why don't you go on and? <laughs> oh. 
yeah, so many different things to react to. But yeah, the that aluminum or whatever everywhere was ridiculous, so ridiculous. And yeah, it just seemed after we found out he was setting him up and recording, it just seemed so set up exactly mm-hmm. to to get Jimmy to confess. It was like Jimmy was desperate to get him to take everything down. And yeah, it seems like he'll take everything down. He'll go back to normal and get what he wants. And how could what he wants be to get his brother disbarred? It's just so sad. It is very sad. Very Makes sad. me mad. Uh, and Tonda Gossin, uh chat says, I'm wondering if he's over it now and just using it to manipulate Jimmy now. Yeah, it certainly seems like it. I don't know. Yeah. That's why it makes me so mad. It does. Yeah. It does, damn it. Like, get along. Can't, can't we all just get along? Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't we all just be super lawyers? Uh, it would all- make for a good show, right? <laughs> it, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it'll be a, it'll be a very fun uh, third season uh, if we're getting Jimmy versus uh, Chuck mm-hmm. uh, stuff. <laughs> I would really love some more courtroom scenes with... Uh, Jimmy, you know, representing one, and then the other is uh, Chuck. Yep. Like uh, what Stacy just said about um, what Chuck did being more manipulative than than what Jimmy's been doing. I mean, it was just like he keeps absolutely stepping it up, and I mean, no one would suspect like that he was recording them since he's like allergic to electronics or whatever. Ah, so upsetting. Son of a Gufferson. <laughs> Son of a Gufferson. Indeed. Yeah. Well, it w- we want to know uh, over this long little hiatus is uh, <laughs> what is your opinions on the season? If, you know, Chuck is finally over this electromagnetivity, sensitivity, uh, baloney. baloney uh, and you can always uh, leave us a voicemail at 505 750 one seven six zero. You can also email us at lawyeruppodcast at gmail dot com or send us a you know a tweet uh, under one hundred and forty characters or less uh, at uh, lawyeruppodcast uh, for the twitters. And uh, one thing we would do want to uh, say is that uh, we want to thank Zeb Gons and Johnny Feisty for for the artwork and the music that you hear. Uh, in the beginning and at the end of each episode. Absolutely. Rick, is there anything that you want to plug? Uh, I know that you guys are in the works of talking about a podcast. Do you, do you, do you want to yes. tell uh, people how to find out more about it when it comes to Yes. Uh, the one thing that uh, myself and Sh- if you like uh, Sharon talking about shows uh, <laughs> and if you like me uh, completely being wrong, uh, Sharon and I are going to do a Orphan Black podcast podcast. Uh, we hope to record this weekend, probably Sunday. We're going to talk about both episodes uh, of the fourth season. It's called uh, the Lita versus uh, Caster, an Orphan Black uh, fan cast. Uh, you can reach that at the Twitter of uh, Lita V Caster. That is L E D A V C A S T O R. It'll be fun. Uh, I'm still working yeah. on the artwork and things like that, and I will get an RSS feed, which I haven't done in for ages uh, since good old eighth grade, ninth grade, whatever the last <laughs> time. Whenever podcasts were in 2006, so that must have been 
11th grade when I was pulled into the principal's oh, office because wow. I did because so I talked about something and they nobody knew the the what a podcast was and I had to put it on a CD and ugh, oh, man, I was I was like, uh, God, maybe a year old. <laughs> a year. <laughs> um, uh, and and uh, and awesome. I'm looking forward to them doing that uh, to seeing all of that, and I'll make sure it's down here. In the, yes, definitely. In the and and uh, I'm also once school kind of wraps up, I'm also going to be doing my little thing of uh, a podcast. I don't know what it's called yet. Don't have a Twitter for it, <laughs> uh, so you can see how well uh, prepared I am on that. Podcast uh, about what? Uh, it's just going to be me. Uh, Basically impersonating our lovely guest, uh, Justin Robert Young, uh, of just uh, doing a one-man band. Setting uh, bar high. Yeah, just doing a one-man band uh, kind of podcast and, awesome. and things like that. Tentative title is uh, Rick Foster's Survival Guide to Nothing. So <laughs> uh, who, who knows if that's getting its own Twitter or uh, if it's just going to be on my own Twitter. So well, In if, the meantime, if they follow you. At Rick Foster or you can go to rickfoster.org. Uh, That'll be where everything's going to be at. Excellent. Uh, and hopefully uh, within the next week or two or three, Sharon will eventually get a Twitter of her own. And once that happens, Maybe. I will tweet it out via at Rick Foster. Awesome. I'm so uh, Jack, to hear that. Jackie Hearn, the great producer of uh, this lovely podcast, uh, I hear that you have a Patreon. Oh, my gosh. Uh, not yet. <laughs> uh, hopefully, uh, well, shoot, actually, I hope I have this edited and posted before I, I even think about finishing up the, the Patreon. But, yeah, I'm doing a little thing. Uh, it has to do with puppets, and um, I'm starting out with just the socks. And then, uh, but what I want to do is I'm not just asking you for money for socks. Uh, what I want to do is build, well, I am. Actually, the first level <laughs> says I will be able to buy some men's no-nonsense socks. Um, and but what I want to do is kind of build it up towards working um, to a sort of, sort of a, like a short film. Uh, and when I get to that level, I want to ask. Uh, we've got in this community of Diamond Club, we've got a lot of really talented people who can do all kinds of stuff. And I want to reach out to them and see if they would like to collaborate and then maybe start a Kickstarter. So my Patreon isn't going to be support me forever on these socks it's going to be let's get to this place where we can create a little thing together and um, make something happen um, so yeah th th thank you for mentioning that oh, <laughs> my little uh, plug there but uh, you can find out all of that by following me at Jackie Hearn uh, 81 on Twitter and also I um, I my patreon will be uh, patreon.com slash Jackie Hearn within the next two three days so uh, it just I was just a little shy um, of getting it done before the show, but you know, eh, whatever. But it'll be it'll be at that link, and if you happen to go there uh, before it's all said and done, uh, you can see the lovely uh, Patre patrons that Jackie supports as well, uh, including the uh, Justin Robert Young, which we would like to thank. Uh, you can catch him at at Justin R Young at Twitter, or you can uh, go to the Contender US. And uh, buy his uh, lovely card game, which I had in my hand, but uh, editing will take care of that 
but probably not. And, uh, and, 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 you know, just to kind of give a little insight as to why our, our show seems a little disjointed, that I had technical troubles and all that and it came back. But I, I called Justin, and he was, he was so sweet. He was like, hey, Jackie. You know, he was just like not – just totally like chill like about, you know. And, and, and I, I can tell that he, he probably just wants to make sure I'm calm. Like, because he, I, I have this kind of. Well, he has this ongoing joke with me where he says, "Don't panic, Jackie," and uh, but I, I was definitely panicking a little bit earlier. But I, I, I de- definitely, Justin Robert Young, you're not going to be watching this part of it. <laughs> but if, in case you do, thank you so much for being so super awesome. Yes, and yes. and before we finally uh, sign off for the season, uh, two quick notes. Uh, we hope to do some commentaries. Uh, whether they are on Breaking Bad episodes or uh, Bear Call Saul episodes. And we hope to get together monthly and uh, tune into uh, Mr. Show episodes that Jackie uh, will recommend to myself and Sharon. Sharon is very new to Mr. Show. I have only seen uh, bits and pieces of of skits that they've done. Uh, So hopefully monthly we will get together and uh, talk about, you know, two or three episodes at a time because they are going to be on HBO Go as of May 1st. HBO Go and HBO Now. Uh, so please check that out to support uh, Bob Odenkirk and uh, the crew over there that uh, does not exist, kind of, uh, because they do exist in uh, with Bob and David. Yep. And note number two, I do want to throw out some special thanks to Tom Degasa, Stacy, yes. Bryce, uh Tensor guy and anyone else mm-hmm. that I may have missed who has joined us Rabbit in Magic, at uh, Rabbit sh- Magic, um, and uh, gosh, we've had it's, and, it's been yeah, it's been so amazing the people that have been been around and sitting with us and chatting. Thank you guys so much. It means the world to us. Yeah, it's been fun. Yes, very fun. Uh, so until uh, we meet again, uh, should we sing some Benny Hanna? Is, is that is that the song that they <laughs> Belly High? Yeah, belly high. Sorry, I said belly high. Uh, it's the restaurant. Not- you know what? If you get me singing, I'm I'm seriously going to be in a lot of legal trouble. So I'll have to lawyer up. <laughs> okay. Ooh. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>